Welcome to episode 89. Today, my former co-teacher, Ms. Shauna Carnahan, and I will share how we turn our co-teaching relationship around. Welcome to the Teaching Multilingual Learners podcast. This podcast celebrates teachers who answer the calling to serve multilingual students and their families. Your beautiful smile, your beautiful life are waiting for you to shine bright. It's never too early or late to start to rise up and shine. Your beautiful smile, your beautiful life are waiting for you to shine bright. It's never too early or late to start to rise up and shine. This is one of my favorite recordings because it was so personally meaningful to me. I end this teacher collaboration series by being very vulnerable and allowing you to hear directly from one of my co-teachers about what it's like to co-plan and co-teach with me full-time for two years. This is definitely not about me. I wanted to share with you how a relationship that started off very tense and fragmented can bloom and blossom into a high-functioning dynamic one by the end of two years. It was a teacher collaboration turnaround story. There's lots of lessons that you can take from our experience. I also share this conversation with you as a model of an in-person co-reflection. Side note about this episode, there is a tiny cicada sound in the background, but don't let that stop you from listening because there is so many great takeaways starting from the beginning. Just pretend that you're on the porch on a summer evening night and the cicadas are serenading us in the background. For context, Shauna was one of the five teachers I was assigned to co-teach with. There's a blog post that accompanies this podcast. If you'd like to read the blog post, please go to my website. The link to the blog post will also be in the show notes. Now, on to today's podcast. I want to welcome my co-teacher of two years, Ms. Shauna Carnahan. And she's a team lead as well as a fifth grade teacher. And we've just had a really great working relationship. But it wasn't always like that. It was like, I guess if there were five stars, it was like a, a one star in the beginning because it was really rough. And then this end this year, by the end of the second year, it was really great. And I thought, okay, this is an opportunity to really share with listeners to say, hey, what have we've done? What have I done? What have you done to really make the relationship really grow? So, so can you take us back to what that first year was like for you? Um, the first year that we worked together was, it had been quite some time since I had had a co-teacher. Um, although we'd done it in the past, the model might have looked a little different. So while we were very excited to have a full-time EAL person assigned to our grade level, meaning that um, we could more easily figure out our schedules that fit kids' schedules, it definitely was stressful. Um, it's, it's hard to find that ease with which to balance someone being in your room when it's someone you don't know yeah. professionally or personally. Yeah. So you start to know someone and at the same time feel, feel like you should automatically trust them <laughs> right at the beginning. And that just takes time to build. So it was a little bit stressful. I think for everyone at the beginning, yeah. it was hard to find common planning time. It was hard because the team itself wasn't really cohesive. Everything wasn't already in alignment, um, which made it difficult, I would say, to negotiate or decide or determine what we were going to be teaching or how we were going to be teaching it and what we we're going to be doing because I don't think our paths were crystal clear at that point. Yeah. And I would say, yeah, I, I, I would I would say it was – a little hectic at the beginning, to say the least. It was hard. I was, I was <laughs> yes. like, wow. This, I think it was because it was such a new model. When I came in, the school had just adopted, the elementary school had just adopted a full-time EL teacher before it was just uh, going into a few classes, pulling the kids out and working in the resource room. And then there wasn't any co-planning. It was just like, hey, let me go work on students' language skills. 
But now it was different where it was like, okay, we're going to work together. And that was really hard because I think the, the first thing was that um, I, I clearly remember when you, when me and you sat down and we planned with another teacher, it was very similar to the experience was, hey, you tell us what you want the lessons to be. And I was really uncomfortable with that because I was like, no, it's really best if we create this together. And I think you were like, no, 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 just tell us how you want it. I was like, okay. Let's right. It, it went from if if I'm not going to do it, then you tell me what you're going to do and I'll help you instead of like, that's not cold. That's just yes. me. Yes. And what is this? And yeah. So then it became a, okay, well then if you don't know and I don't, I don't know, know, who knows? Right. Because like it, it was, the experience was like, okay, I'm going to give you my lessons. You take them. And then, but then you, you've shared now. You're like, sometimes we didn't do your lessons. <laughs> do you want to talk about that? Oh, I think because that's part of knowing someone's style, right? And it's similar to getting a textbook. It's similar to getting resources from another teacher. The way they explain it to you, it sounds really great. And then you get in there and the way something's worded or the way the type is or the style that, you know, someone has in their teaching, you're like, this just somehow does, it feels rigid or it feels not my, like it's not flowing in the way I would have it. So yeah, then I think it's like, okay, well, this is information, but I don't quite know what to do with this information. I always share with teachers during my workshop, I always say as much as possible, start, build on what they are going to bring to the table. Like your co-teacher is going to bring to the table instead of saying, here are my lessons, you go do them. Because one, it makes you feel like you're inferior. It makes you, two, you don't, you're not actually co-creating anything. Right. You're just saying, here are my lessons, you take them. Yep. And because really teaching is, is finding your own style. Mm -hmm. And that's why textbooks can't, replace teachers because we have to find our own styles. And I think when we were working together, that first approach, when I was like, here are my lessons, it, it didn't take your style into account. Right? And so when we started to, so my recommendation for EAL teachers is to resist against saying, even if you're busy, not saying, hey, here are the lessons, go do them. It's saying, what do you want to do? Let me support you in doing that. And like, Getting that goal. And, and I was just going to say, I think when we finally, even though it still wasn't maybe a smooth sailing, you know, ship at this point, I think when that started to come together a little bit was when we really were like, okay, what is it we want them to do at the end of the unit, at the end of the week, at the end of a day? And once we were much more clear about which, which is every teaching job ever and every lesson you teach, but having that conversation together, instead of assuming we each had the same end goal in mind, making that as transparent as you possibly can. What is it that we want students to be able to do at the end of this week, at the end of the day, at the end of the 20 minute lesson, whatever it is. I think that was when we maybe started to be able to do some co-planning together instead of here's my idea or here's your idea. It's okay. We know where we're going. What do we, what do we already both know how to do to get us there? Right. Yeah. That's why I think I, the first thing I wrote down when you started talking was common planning time. I mm -hmm. think the fact that I started the second year off saying, all right, fifth grade teachers, here's my blank schedule. Here are the, here are the times when I have meetings and here are the times when I have class. So besides those time, you can have any other time mm -hmm. so that we all created a schedule together all five teachers and then we we made sure that we had time to co-plan once a week and that really made a difference i that was one of the biggest parts because i remember our first year even when things were getting in a better groove yeah. as far as the classroom stuff was going without a scheduled time it was like yeah at eight in the morning it sounded like a good idea to meet you at 1 30 today but now like 42 things have come up that i let seep in Whereas when I knew we were going to meet at this time every Thursday, I, there was just no seeping in, right? That was what I did. That was the way we planned was, okay, if I only meet you with you from 8.35 until 9.20 every Thursday, we have to make it really count. Mm -hmm. And I think what we did was, um, now I share something called high impact co-planning where I say, don't plan what you're going to do tomorrow. Plan what you're going to do next week. And I think we, I remember clearly when, we started really doing this in unit the beginning of unit three when we said okay let's our first at, year our second year when we looked at the narratives we said okay here are 
let's look at the rubric. Mm. So we started off with the big things, which was for the rubric. We were mm-hmm. going to assess the kids on narrative writing. And then we looked at what are the strands. And then we planned it out. And we say, okay, this is the beginning of the unit, middle of the unit, end of the unit. And that was basically that, that 30, 45 minutes of planning. Then next week when we came, we said, okay, let's just take the first week, chunk. The first chunk. Yeah. And let's plan that out by week. Mm-hmm. Okay, so from this week, what do you want by the end? So every time I came Thursday, I always had a, my mind on, okay, by next Friday, what do you want kids to do? Right. right? And so we planned like, with that. And then so we would identify the objectives. Mm-hmm. Right? We didn't plan the what the slides would look like, what are the texts we're going to use. Sometimes we did, but we said, what is the objective by next? Thursday? Right. And we made that kind of like, I guess you'd call it the bare bones plan right. for that. And then, like you said, if we had time, we would fill in the slides or or fill in the text. But that could also be done when we weren't together because we knew where we were going and we knew what was going to be said and right. at the time. That was the biggest part, I think. When we planned, it wasn't figuring out, let's create this slide. Let's no. create that slide. It was, what are the objectives? And then I went on my own time to create those slides. And then when we met on Monday, the slides were already done for yeah. the next week. And so we can say, oh, because you can always go back to the plan and say, okay, this is what we're going to do. And I see it because you were part of that planning process. I just made the, it was more like you were the blueprint. We were together creating the blueprint. Yeah. And then I just continued to add the, the wall and the the electrical and the piping and, and the presentation of the house. And, and I would also say that kind of along those same lines, one of the things that it, we started off with a lot of scribbling down notes and scribbling down things. And when we really kind of found a shared document and a common space yes. that we both could look at at any time and we could work from, I think that made a huge difference when, like you said, we went through and said beginning of the unit, middle of the unit, and we kept coming back to that to say, okay, so we've spent more time on the beginning than we thought. So what is that going to do to the other parts of our plan? So I think really having that in the very initial stages, fine, some scribbles on some paper or whatever are fine, but there, it, we, it has to be documented. It's got to be down in order to have a plan to keep referring to, to keep keep people in the line of what right. they need. Yeah, it I made a big difference. It really did. I think, remember, so we're at the last unit, we did a mind map mm-hmm. to say, okay, these are the things we want kids to do, reading, writing, speaking, listening. In the unit three, we just created several slides on our slide deck. And we said, okay, what do we want kids to do at the beginning, middle, and end based upon the rubric? And we broke them down and we always went back to that. So that was the, the presentation slide that we used to teach kids. Those were the first two slides. Yep. Right. And when we planned together during virtual school, we always went back to that mind map to say, okay, where are we now? Yep. Are we what now? have we, have we done this? Have we already, have we assessed this in a way that we can tell? Yep. And I think having that, it was simplistic enough that we could refer to it. It wasn't an overwhelming document right. with all the little nitty gritties yeah. that you got lost in. Yes. It was big idea, big steps, big standards yes. or meeting. Yeah. And I think that was my job when to figure out the standards. You, We figured out the standards together in that document. Then I went on the Google slide and then I would put the individual like uh, students, the, the language objectives. We would say like, I can find, I can use a description to write a narrative. Mm-hmm. And we would push them up. That was also fun. I think that that common that common presentation document that we use. It was like I would present it, I would create it, and then sometimes you would lead the lesson. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I would lead the lesson. Yep. But we knew what we were doing together. Yeah. Well, that is one thing that definitely changed significantly this year. But I'd say even kind of by the end of last year, uh, end yeah. of the first year. Mm-hmm that fluidity of teaching a lesson together yeah. of in and out and weaving our ideas and Mr. Tana, do you want to? And sometimes it was pre-planned and sometimes it f- just flowed naturally. And that's when it feels like you're co-teaching. Right. Like that's when it really felt authentic. Right. Yeah. I wanted to to recognize you for that because it was, uh, we, our relationship is amazing because you had me on equal playing field. So kids already knew that, okay, literacy, either uh, Ms. Shauna's going to do it, Mr. Tan's going to do it, or they're both going to do it. Right? Right. And oftentimes it was both of us. It was that fluidity. It was, I think it was me watching to say, 
it was often, I noticed that when you were always teaching, I always made sure that I was at the board writing something yeah. down, right? So you would, maybe you would start teaching. And I would, I, as you were talking, I'd say, oh, here, I'll write for you, I'll scribe for you as you were teaching. And so that, that started that relationship. Yes, it, of, of us being like, up front, if you will, like, yeah. like in the same space, yeah. you know, and then kind of that like movement truly from like back and forth and I'm over here and you're over here. And yeah. like now our ideas are flowing too, right. not just your turn, my turn, right. but we became part of the conversation with students yes. instead of one of us facilitating that conversation and the other one standing back. Why do you think that was? Um, I think that's that part that is the hardest part of finding and co-teaching yeah it's time and trust, right? Like you, you build trust with a person because you've worked with them for a short amount of time, a long amount of time, whatever it is, but you feel comfortable enough as homeroom teachers. I'm, we are possessive people. This is my job. These are my kids. This is my role. And to know that you have built trust with someone to say, and you're going to do it just as well as I am or better. So why wouldn't we be doing this yeah. together? You know? And I think that possessiveness that sometimes homeroom teachers have, yeah. it takes a little bit of time yeah. to move past that. Um, I, I know you and I have spoken about this before. I think even when you have that with somebody, the beginning of the year is the most difficult yes. because we as homeroom teachers haven't even established routines in our classrooms. So then to find that sort of groove of like, we do it this way because this is our room. But also Mr. Tan does it this, this way, way when he's in our room. So finding that, that's that's kind of that knowing, you also knowing homerooms and the style, you know, that teachers have and what you would do when you're in there because of that, which makes you have to be the ultimate in flexibility. <laughs> the ultimate. Yes, super flexible. I think that was the yeah. thing. It was always saying, okay, I'm not here to try to change the teachers. I'm not here to get my way. I'm here to figure out what can I do to support Shauna during this process. And I'm going to find the language support there. I'm going to be able to support kids somehow. Mm -hmm. But my, my goal was always, I think there's a quote that said, um, it's not how well you play the game, it's what game you're playing. Mm -hmm. And so my old game was trying to change teachers to give them these strategies. But when I try to, when I let go of that, the other game I was playing then was, oh, we're here to work with for kids. We're, we're here to work with kids and support them. We're on the same team. That's how do we figure out how to do that? Yeah. And so, and what skills and strategies do we each have that's going to add to that? Rather than, as a homeroom teacher, I've got these skills and strategies, and you've got these, and we're going. Oh, mine look different than yours. It's like, oh, yeah. Well, I don't. I'm not sure. You yeah. tell me because yeah. I'm not sure about this. Yeah. But we know that the goal is the same. You were, I noticed that too. So I guess we're, we're talking about trust. Like how do we develop trust? You always said, I'm not, I'm not sure Mr. Tan, why don't you share? And so you made me feel like I was part and kids saw, saw me as a co-teacher as well. Cause you always involved me. And I also noticed that you were flexible enough to say like, okay, we're going to, we're going to try it this way. And you gave me an opportunity so that it, within the opportunity, you started to trust me more. What else did you think I did to, to build trust? Um, f I, first of all, I mean, really, you were just persistent, but in a, but in a kind, thoughtful way. Uh, it would have been very easy as the person to just, as the person, meaning the EAL person who's going into so many rooms, to say, you know what, then I'll just come and sit on the sidelines and help my kids when it's pull out time and be here and whatever. And you didn't do that. You continued to look for ways to like try to make it a better fit or try to make the planning easier. And so you were willing to just keep trying new strategies and new things until we found whatever that was. You, you weren't so set on this is the way it's got to look and therefore it's not it doesn't look that way. So it's not working. You just continued to. And I think that that's that part of, of that building trust, because it was like, Oh, he's just going to keep doing this in a good way till we figure out what's best for kids. Right. And that's what it was. So yeah. I, so you saw, I guess you're saying I kept trying to find a way to co-teach and collaborate yep. and I didn't give up. Right. Right. And I think also, I think it was co-teaching was easier because we co-planned more. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause then the first year we, 
we just co-talk, but we didn't co-plan. So right. it was like two people speaking two different languages. Yep. But when we co-plan together, that was where I, I had the opportunity to say, okay, do you want me to teach this part or do you want to teach that part? And you would say, oh, well, I'm not comfortable with this part. Would you like to teach it? Right. And then. Yeah. So we had a chance ahead of time. Right. Yep. We had a chance to talk about it. Yep. And that's why I would say like co-planning is such an important time because if you want to be a really great, have a really great co-teaching relationship, you have to have co-planning time. And I think one of the other things that I think made kids see us as co-teachers yeah. was the, I talked about the fluidity and the bigger lessons of going back and forth, but we also exchanged roles in small groups and in yeah. conferences. Yeah. Some days it was you with a small group and I was with kids working independently. And sometimes it was vice versa. It wasn't like one of us had that job. And so clearly only that person knew how to do that in the students' views, right? It was like, oh, I just have more teachers helping me do things. Right. Yeah. I saw that you, you did that too with Miss Me. So Miss Me is our, our teaching assistant mm -hmm. and you always incorporated her as much as possible. You would have, if we would have groups, sometimes we would break them up into three. So Miss Me would have one and we would rotate them. And so you, you even involved her. I remember clearly when we were doing the unit two, where we were talking about sketchnoting. Mm. as a way of taking notes and you knew that was her strength and so we in our planning time we said this me would you like to teach uh a, like a sketch noting session and we let her teach mm -hmm. and so i guess that's a testament to you saying like homeroom teachers yes they sometimes they say this is their their kids these are their kids and this is their space but you said we were going to share this and that's what you did and i was like that was real that was i would want i would say that it was rare to see that uh, TAs be in front and center, and but you really did that. And Miss Me and I always talk, and we she would say, she makes me feel like I'm a valued person. I'm like, yeah, she makes me feel that way too. That's why I'm like, I love working with you because of that. Because kids felt that uh, he's not an aide or I'm not an aide. It was like equal. Was it easier this year for you for teaching? Like certainly. Now, now that we co -planned. Well, I mean, let's not let's not mention virtual school, but that was its own challenge outside of co planning. Although I have to say. Um, we did some of our best co-planning and co-teaching during that time. It became much more of a, sh of a, I don't, I don't know how to say divide and conquer, but because you don't have that fluidity that you have when kids are present, but we, the part that I think made it successful was we still co-planned. Yes. Right. We didn't drop that and choose to just become people who delivered lessons. It was still that same, that mind map was out there. We met ahead of time. We had a scheduled time to still meet and co-plan and, and de de design what was going to work right. for students. And then after that kind of go, okay, you'll do this and I'll do this to prepare these yes. materials or whatever students needed. So I would say this year was much, much easier just from the beginning of the year right away. It was nice to be able to start right off, right? right. There wasn't right. any... Um, adjustment if right. you will it right. was it was immediate which was really great i think that's the main thing is because we i really have to have to credit the fact that we now have a co-planning time built mm -hmm. into our schedule that's what it happened in the beginning of the year and so it felt like we were planning together right from yep. the start instead of last year we were trying to figure out i was trying to figure out we were all trying to figure out this new system so that's why i didn't have co-planning time but when this year, because of co-planning time, it, it was from the start, we were able to work together. Yeah. Yeah. And I would even say at the beginning, we were much more, you mentioned this earlier, but we were much more like, okay, so now we know which part do you want to teach? Which part will I lead? Which part will we do this for? And while we still did that as the year went on, I think even that became more fluid. Mm. Like, like we might, I might know that you're going to teach this little piece. Yes. But it didn't feel like a I'll stand back, you teach. Yeah, yeah. Now it's my turn, you stand back, right. I'll teach. Right. It was if we saw or right. noticed right. there was a, a something to add yes. or something that yes. would make sense at that point, we both felt comfortable doing it in the moment. Yeah, that's, it wasn't scripted, your turn, I'm not engaging. And I, that, I, that's why I always felt like when I taught, you were always there on the side. And when you... Did you notice that I always always started on the left side where your where your cabinet was? And then if you the second you said something, I would move to the other far side of the board to give you space so you can come up. 
I, ah, yes. I was like, that was like a conscious oh, move. Oh, look at you, strategic. Yeah, it was really strategic. It was like, because I, I like to be my computer to so that I could, yeah. right? But then when you talked, I always moved over to give you a space so that you could be part of it. Yeah. And I was like, I always said, this is not my lesson. This is our lesson. And when you want to share, and you add. And we would always say that to Miss Me, too. We'd yep. say, Miss Me, what are your thoughts about yep. this? And she would, throughout the year, she would feel comfortable adding. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know that's what we're talking about here, but what are those things that made it fluid? And and part of it is there's no replacement. We say this for everything. There's no replacement for time, right? right. Some of it takes time. And that doesn't mean you're going to have a great relationship with everyone because more time has been involved. Um, but it does allow people to see you in the workspace right. and to make some, you know, decisions based on that, I guess, kind of information. Yeah, and that, and I think we had more time because we had that co-planning time. It, it wasn't just, hey, let me show up with this lesson that we emailed with each other. It was like sitting down and saying, what do we want to do? With right. Lesson? Well, and I, and I think it was, we were even co-planning some at the end of the last year, but it was the day before the day before, right. like you said. And I think, I mean, we're not new teachers. We know better than to plan everything the day before without the long-term whatever. But somehow we lost sight of that at the beginning of co-planning. It, yeah. it did become about just the next day yeah. and the next day rather than the longer view right. and the longer look. So so when we talk about, now I present on this because mm -hmm. of what we've learned. And I say high, co high impact co-planning is when we look at assessments, end of unit projects, uh, the novel that we're reading, the kind of writing that we're doing. And so we really break that down. And so that, instead of saying, oh man, what are we gonna do tomorrow? I'm kind of, I feel like I, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Right. I don't know how to support you. Cause I don't. Right. Cause we're all rushed. Yeah. And I think the more rushed we are, the less effective we can be. But because we now plan once a week with saying, what do we want kids to be able to do by next Thursday or Friday? That really helped. And for me, it was the right amount of time. Yes. Because if you get much farther than that, right. than a week, I feel like you lose sight of that. Well, this didn't really go that well. Right. And so now we're supposed to backtrack for three weeks because we're off. You know, the week felt like you could still really do authentic, you know, formative assessments and right. check in. And wow, we thought the beginning of this was only going to take three weeks, but they didn't have the skills we thought maybe they did have. So therefore this part's going to be a little longer. What at the end does that mean we might have to shift or do differently? And so I think having the big picture, but that, that was the right amount of time, right. that week kind of look. And we checked in and we, yep. we would say, okay, Thursday is our big planning day only once, but we would always check in like, Five minutes before the lesson, we would say, okay, so are we going to do this? Can we do that? Are we just, so it was like small little touches, but always grounded on that, that plan that yep. we were going to have before. The other thing that I, as I, as we're talking, that just came to mind was one of the things that I think also helped us was really taking, even though we, sometimes we did it in 10 minutes, because that's what we had, looking at student work together. Yeah. Not, will you check their writing today and I'll check their writing another day, right. but sitting there and having a discussion about it because it led us to a better insight of what each of us was looking for right. and what we might consider success or what we might notice as needs or trends in their writing. So I think that, I mean, again, these are not things we don't know as right. good teachers, but taking the time to do them and how much it matters. Right. Yeah. That, so in our field, we call that co-assess. So I remember several times when you would go to my room or I would walk, I would say goodbye to you at the end of the day and you would say, hey, do you just have five minutes? Mm -hmm. And we would look, we would take a, a pile of students writing and just flip through it and say, yep. do you agree with this? What do you think about this? So we always had a structure for writing. We maybe have um, CERC, the CERC model. And we would look, we say, yes, this, these students don't have the C part or the plain part and we would look we would flip through each one and, and then at the end we would say okay we notice that these seven kids need the uh, evidence part and the reasoning part this group of kids they need the closing part and we would so we would think about okay who's going to do that tomorrow what group who's yep. going to take what group and so that was really helpful and so we didn't wait for Thursday Thursday was our big planning day but when we co-assess, it really helped us think about the next day. Yeah, it still allowed us to make those 
momentary decisions that were best for kids yeah. instead of we just have a plan and that's yeah. what we have to do. Yeah. What memory do you have of us that was like, oh yeah, this really clicked well? Like a lesson where kids were interacting with us really well or like when I was like. Um, I think one of the things that I that I vividly remember was watching students during the Harkness discussions. Oh yeah. So like like any discussion with students, at first they felt very stilted and very well, I don't know what the word would be. Hesitant. Hesitant and almost awkward. Yeah, right. Like awkward. they would say a statement and then everyone would sit there and look at each other. But <laughs> the day that I was like, listen to them. Like they are Okay. respectfully right. and thoughtfully sharing ideas and listening to each other. That was one of the moments I was like, this was kind of one of those persevere and push through yeah. and you brought that model. So Aww, we appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. That it's great. still something we use quite often. You, you wrote in your thank you note, which is really lovely uh, that you became a better teacher through this experience. I definitely became a better teacher. Let me just tell you how I would often say, here's a concept. Okay. Let's go into to talk about this concept. And you would say, Hold up, Mr. Todd. What's an apostrophe? <laughs> I don't think kids know what an apostrophe is. And I was like, oh, wait, <laughs> I'm a language teacher. Maybe I should teach them that. And so another thing I remember was because coming from middle school and high school, mm -hmm. I was like, oh, kids can do this. And you were like, um, they're fifth graders. They're cognitively, they're going to struggle. And I clearly remember several times when I, when I did it and you were like, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't get this as an adult. What's right. going on? I was like, it's so clear in my head. And so you've really helped me like say like, okay, let's get the, let's get the, let's think about this lesson cognitively. Is it cognitively appropriate for kids? Is it conceptually appropriate for these, for these kids at this time? And that was really helpful. So I'm, I'm a better teacher because of that. Yeah. So. Well, that's good to hear. You definitely wouldn't have known that you didn't teach fifth grade by this oh. year. Like truly you, I mean, your interactions with them were always fine, but you definitely had that sense of understanding what they found funny, what they found interesting, which is not what a middle schooler finds funny or interesting. It's a whole different set of jokes and laughing at things that you're like, okay, okay. look how funny this is today. Whatever people, right? So your rapport with them, but I mean, as far as co the cognitive load, it's really about their maturity level, right? Yeah. And that's the difference. It's, right. it's. I'm like, this is not a bad topic. They're just really like developmentally, yeah. it's, it's a little deep. And yeah. it's not about challenging kids with skills or concepts. It's about mm, a little more brain development before they might get to that right, level, right? right? And a little that, more scaffolding. Yeah. A lot more scaffolding. And sometimes it was scaffolding. And sometimes it really is just like they can't think about it the world in that way right. at this age, right. right? Like they just, they, they view the world through a different right. lens until that brain develops in a different way. So it wasn't that you weren't challenging them in the right ways. I think that you are. Um, I did write that you, uh, you made me a better teacher and I meant that very seriously. And the way that you made me a better teacher was two things. One, it's, um, it had been quite some time since I'd done a lot of language teaching. Yeah. I was a math teacher for yeah. six years prior and so reminding myself, uh, myself about how all those skills built upon each other and that I'm also a native language speaker and it's hard for me sometimes to remember those little nuances that need to be discussed and talked about yeah. with students that are learning a new language, things that I take for granted as a native English speaker. Yeah. Um, but a reminder that those steps are just as important as we might say learning facts and math, mm -hmm. if you will. Those are the building blocks yeah. and the foundational skills. So that was one thing, like the actual content piece of like getting back to that. Like I taught first grade and yes, that was clear, but that was more years ago than I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, <coughs> but as far as pedagogy and being with students, um, no one is more tenacious. And I mean that sincerely. And there was never a day you're like, I'm done and I've had enough. And it was sort of like that. Yeah, that's right. I'm not tired too. Let's do this. And kids know that yeah. about you. They, 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 and kids don't always know that about adults yeah. and that, but they knew that about you. Um, so I think you made everybody kind of strive to be their best self and to not say this is good enough. Aww. So I think that that's, 
it was a huge contribution to my practice, but it was a huge contribution to our team as well. And I, and I think that it was more powerful than you might know. Yeah. Well, you have a really huge impact as well, because whenever we plan something, yeah. I always use our lessons to help to work with other teachers to say, oh, this is what we're doing in Shauna's class. Do you want to use it? And so it was that that was your contribution of saying it, it, it works for us. And then I just applied it to to say, hey, other teachers, do you want to try this out? And they would always say, oh, yeah, let's let's give it a try. And so I was always familiar with, OK, when I taught this lesson in Shauna's class, this didn't work. Let me change it for so and so. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was really helpful. Oh, that is good to hear. Yeah. yeah. Well, in that ripple effect, but that's, that's, I think sometimes what else happens with these co-teaching things. I've had this happen in another school before, right? When there's a successful model of co-teaching, mm. it only takes one room for that to work in really well Yes. for other people to go, oh, oh. what's happening down there? What is it you guys are doing down there? And so I think that that sort of ripple effect happens there as well. Um, Cause it's not, it's, it's, I mean, we mentioned it before you have one of the hardest jobs working with multiple teachers with pedagogy and personality and, you know, willingness to allow you to not be an assistant in the room, but to be a teacher, right. you know, to do the job you are know how to do and are capable of doing. But yeah. So I think that giving, getting that model set up, and seeing success, I think, is when that trickle really right. kind of goes out. You also really help that as well, because I remember in meetings, sometimes I would, when I co-planned with other teachers, I would say, this is what Shauna and I are doing. Would you like to have us do that together? And so, but sometimes at meetings, you would say, this is what Tan and I are doing. We've sat, found this to be really successful. Would you like to try it too? And so it was both of us advocating and I, Ah, so they weren't just hearing like, right. I'm doing this as the EAL person. Right. Maybe you'd like to join me. It was we, yes. a we. Yeah. yeah. It was really helpful. And then I always wanted to say that you said you're not a language teacher. And I was like, you definitely are a language teacher. The way that you taught, I was like, oh, she's really clear with this. Better than I am, actually. And I was like, so you, I think when I would stand and try to give a teacher concept, and you would go, oh, wait, here, I think this is what Mr. Tan is trying to say. Or let me just add another example. And then you led a lot of the narrative lessons. And you you led a lot of units two lesson where we talked about uh, nonfiction reading and nonfiction mm -hmm. writing. And you were really clear with that. And so you were definitely a, a language teacher in that way. Thank you. Yeah. No, I feel, and I feel truly like I, I feel like my, my, my own uh, skills have grown a ton teaching with you, but I think my con, I not don't think, I know my confidence has grown in, in being a oh, language yeah. teacher. And that, and that's huge, right? When you doubt yourself, yeah. you kind of go, I don't know, I'm going to take the easy version of this lesson. Cause mm -hmm. what if I'm, you yeah. know, and I don't feel that, I guess, sort of worry anymore. Yeah. It's like, Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And so having this conversation not only makes me realize how fabulous our relationship was, um, it, it's making me think of like, like as a new teacher is coming in, yes. what are those things that need to be established right away right. to help set that in motion? Um, and again, it's going to take some time. It's not going to be day one, but looking at those things we just talked about that were the kind of backbones of success, that common planning time yes. and that looking like making that map or making yes. that, you know, overall and, and thinking about it week by week and instead of day by day. Yeah. And I think that co-assessing piece was huge. And we talked about co-planning, co-teaching, co-assessing. And this, the last one is, is co-reflecting, co co ah. right? So you didn't notice it, but we rarely ever sat down and said, let's think about this lesson today. Can you please give me feedback? Like I would, I did do like an end of year survey, like mm -hmm. an anonymous feedback mm -hmm. survey. Mm -hmm the first year and the second year. And sometimes I would have kids respond and create surveys in my own class. And you did the same thing. We were, I remember December we had, we sent yep. out a survey, yep. right? But sorry, that's one part of getting, getting reflection, co-reflecting. Mm -hmm. The other part was that, I don't know if you noticed this, but I would often at the end of a lesson or the beginning of the middle of a lesson, I would always say, Hey, okay. So I think, what do you notice about this part? 
what, what do you think we should do? And so it wasn't, it didn't have to wait for Thursday. Right. Right. Did you do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I I do know I do know what you're talking about, okay, and, and sometimes you would say, "How do you think that went?" Yes. or "How do you think this part yes. went?" or whatever. So it it was important yes. because it made us, like you said, do some quick reflection, which yes. is hopefully what you're doing as a teacher alone or in a co-planning situation. Right. But I think the other part was we probably should have taken some more time to yes. do some authentic reflection. I'm not not that that wasn't authentic, yeah. but some time reflection. Yeah. Um, because it can be difficult in the moment yes. when you've got kids yes. lining up for this or going there yes. to be like, yeah, I thought it went really well. And then you kind of move on versus like, let me step back, yes. like review it. So I think a combination, I think those daily ones are important. It's sort of like that formative assessment, right. if you will. Right? right. You can't just never think about it and then have a meeting once a week about it. That doesn't, that's no. not successful either. But, um, I think a little more formal or, or at least a couple of times a unit to check in and say, you know, what seems to be working with this yeah. and what, what yeah. could we adjust? What yeah. could we do differently? Like I kind of remember we had a conversation in our second unit. We had started this whole unit and it was all about um, thinking about the novel. And at first our lessons were going to be focused around the novel. Yeah. And then somehow within two weeks, we were reading the novel in a separate realm, if you will, yeah. and our lessons completely shifted. Yeah. But we didn't really reflect on why that was. Yeah. We just sort of did it. And I think it was a fine thing to do, but that would have been a great conversation to be like, what was it about these lessons that didn't seem to fit where we were going? Why did we think this was going to work and it didn't? So I think that the daily, like your check-ins were great because they were just a quick like. Oh, so you noticed them? Oh yeah, okay, for good. sure, for sure. Because I didn't, because it was hard to find time to like. Yep. And it's awkward, but like, let's sit and talk about I our know. practice, right? I know. But I think you're right. We should do that. I think if we were to continue working together the third year, we would build that time. I in. do too. Yeah, but we kind of started doing that as well. Um, we we did do uh, we did do overall reflections yes. of like, okay, we finished the narrative yes. unit. Let's talk about it. I feel like that did happen. I just felt like maybe uh, this lesson versus this lesson, or like if we went back next time, this didn't need to happen or right. it should happen in a different way. I don't think we got that detail, yes. but I think we had the big ideas in our reflection right. of like overall the flow, the, right. the, the way we broke it up made sense and whatever. Um, the other thing that I was thinking of when you were talking about like kind of a not a formal reflection, but a time is I think that um, that sort of goes back to the piece of some of that happened when we looked at student work. Yeah. Because we would say things like, you know, oh, look at this. It seems like they're all repeating the same words. Yes. That means we need to give them more sentence yes. starters. So we, in even though I'm not sure at the time we realized it, we were reflecting on the lessons we were giving yes. because we were saying it's too, you know, canned or it's right. too whatever. How do we give them right. scaffold for kids who need it, but not give everyone a nice easy way out. So when I think about that, I think we use a little bit of that yeah, also yeah. in some lesson reflection. Really. And this is why it's so important to say, instead of going, at the beginning of conversation, we said like last year, I would say, here are the lessons you do them. Right. Right. You would do them, you wouldn't like them, but you wouldn't give me feedback. Right. Because we didn't have time to co-plan. But I don't even know if I would have known what the feedback was. Exactly. The right. feedback was, I don't know. Yeah. It's not my style. Yeah. Ex well, what does that exactly. mean exactly? Yeah. I and agree. that's why we need to have co-planning yeah. time to talk so we can we can co-teach. It's not just just the fact that we co-taught doesn't mean uh, we're gonna have a great relationship. Right. Because it has to be co-planning yep. involved. Yep. And I think um what one of the things that I mean, it makes a difference in any teaching relationship, co-teaching relationship, assistant, EAL teacher, learning support teacher. When you know somebody is doing their best for students, it makes it so much easier to oh, say, tell me more about your idea, right? Yeah. Because you know there's no question about the purpose. Yeah. It's not a control thing. It's not a I know the best way thing. There's no power involved. It really is about someone caring about kids. Yeah. I think that makes it easier to build on a relationship because right. you go, oh, we're all here for the same reason. Right. Okay, fine. And you had like no ego. That was and really helpful. You. <laughs> yeah. It was always like, okay, she's, she cares for kids and it's not about 
I always made sure that I, I never uh, undermined your authority in any way, yeah. but I always made sure that it was a yes and, always adding to, never saying, well, when Ms. Conahan said this, let me correct that. And when you needed to correct me, you always did it in such a polite way as well. Kids, I don't think kids notice the correction at all. Mm. Um, but it, it felt like you you had uh, your ego unchecked, but you had my 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 feelings. You were concerned about my feelings mm. as well as you were teaching. So that was really helpful. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I and I think that I mean, kind of like that power piece going the other direction, right? It 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 is a weird power, I guess, if you will, as the classroom teacher yeah. that people can exert yeah. on a co-teacher coming in, yeah. especially since it's a part of your day, right. not the whole day, right? Like. I'm here all day and this is my space or whatever as the teacher. But students know that at every grade level and right away. They can feel it. They know. Yeah. yeah. Balance. Yep. Yeah. And I felt like in your class, they would they know that you're the main teacher, but they always came to me as well. Yeah. So they would always and you would always say, like when we were conferencing, you would say, either Miss Me or I or Miss Tan would be with you. And so it was never just me. It was so I always I always had a place in the class, and the kids always knew that. Oh, Mr. Tan is a co teacher. He is a well. teacher. Yeah. There's, um, there is a formal way that I have been doing reflections. It's, uh, it goes like this. Uh, these are, this is what you've been doing well. This is what I've been doing well. I think we did that in the podcast. Like, hey, this is what you did really well. Uh, yeah. Right? And this, I think, this is what I've been doing well. And the last part of it is, um, if we could continue to work together, what do you need more of me? Mm. Ooh, that's a great question. Um, I think maybe one of, no, I don't know that I need more of this from you, but I need more of this and it would probably come from you. Yeah. I think I would need a better understanding of how to scaffold other parts of my day with my EIL kids. Oh yeah. Like, you know, I know you do some of that with them in your small groups and I feel very comfortable for how to do that when we're just working on writing and we're just working on reading skills. But when it's, it's like all those strategies for helping them in science and helping them in social studies, I feel like that would be the next addition right. to like, what would make me a better teacher of right. language learners of now I feel like the language block itself, which is like creative writing or nonfiction yes. writing, we've got a pretty good handle on yes. that scaffolding yes. stuff. Now it's like, okay, you don't get to be in my room during this time of day or whatever. What is it I or could or should be doing to better, you know, and we have pretty integrated units. Yes. It's not like there's some weird science lesson that has nothing to do with what we've been talking about, but how is it that that level of those skills can be built up in a better right. way for kids? Right. Yeah. So if I was to be, if that was your need and I am coming back next year, I would say let's, add another co-planning time, yeah. right? We would do the same process, but we would just say, okay, this is the planning time for literacy, and then let's add the humanities and science. Yeah. Component. It was kind of crazy for us to do that. But. Yeah, but, but I think because, and again, this is that whole, like, the beauty of international school is that great things are always coming because there is change. Yeah. The drawback of international schools <laughs> is that, people it does change often yeah, and so as you're building something there is this sort of like it paused there and then what's next and so while it it feels it sounds crazy for us to think of another co-planning period i think it would have worked next year yeah. because we had a much better handle after two years on the literacy right. that we could have shifted right. and added that in in a 20-minute block somewhere or whatever mm -hmm making me want to come back and stay well at well, this point <laughs> i might i'm just kidding people don't know that i might not be able to go to thailand right the board is not open right now we're recording this in july in june of 2020 so you know the pandemic that's right so who knows <laughs> mr tan may not be publishing this because he finds out he's my co-teacher again anyway <laughs> um you, you know and what? so can i ask you the same question oh yeah so is that I, fair yes fair it game? is okay is. so did you notice that that that's the so I'm talking to listeners now. That that was the process. If if someone doesn't have an ego, they would be asking that, just like Chama did, right? And so, I don't know what I would need more from you. Maybe more time to plan, because mm -hmm. we we just did that one block. Mm -hmm. But maybe more time to reflect. 
I think that that was the one thing because we had really co-planning down. We have co-teaching down. We had co-assessing. The last thing was a co that like structure time to to reflect. Yeah. Right. Because you know me, the first year I was like, okay, end of the unit. I know. Let's reflect, everyone, because that's like reflecting yep. is my thing. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's why I you've seen it where I will I will I'll have my iPad and I'll I'll record myself and I really do watch it. Um, and so that's like the way I reflect. But it, it felt like we weren't there yet because mm-hmm. we were just getting the other components, which yep. was amazing. Yep. But I think in the future, if I was to come back, I would say, okay, let's find this time to co-plan. And now that you said that, I would I would be more receptive to that. It'd be great. To what? To co-plan. Uh, yeah, to, to co-reflect. Ref- yeah. Like more structured co-reflecting yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. And again, mm-hmm. I don't think it would, It's I wouldn't be in the same amount of time as planning, right. I don't think. But just the fact that it's a structured right. set-aside time right. instead of... Uh, if we get to it, because right. when you do that in education, right. you never get to it. Right. It's the same thing where we like when we co-plan on the fly. We're right. not really co-planning. No. When we co when we co-reflect on the fly, it's not really co-reflecting. Right. right. It's good to hear a little feedback, but then that's what it is. It's right. a little feedback. Right. Yeah. Let's end the podcast with this. It's something called traffic light teaching. And it's a metaphor. So red light is something that you ask teachers to stop doing mm-hmm. in their practice. And this, I guess this will be connected to teacher collaboration. A yellow light is something you ask teachers to, hmm, let's start questioning about your practice. And then a green light is something that you would say, um, do as much as possible. So what are your, you can take time, your time to think about them. Okay. What, for me? Yeah. So you can talk about, okay, these are your red, yellow, and green lights for, you're going to give advice to teachers who are collaborating together. Like first time collaborators? Kind of, or it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter necessarily. Um, I can. Can I start with my green light? Yeah. Or the green light? Yeah. I think the green light is that students know from day one that the co-teacher is a teacher, and they're not an assistant, and they're not someone to. And however you have to do that, whether it's, you know, depending on your model, whether that's the person who gets the same responsibilities as teachers in other parts of the school or when we go on field trips, you know, when we, you know, like you're involved in all of that, you're not the other guy who's coming along, right? Like you're one of the six teachers. So I think making it clear to students from the beginning through your actions and your words, um, I think that's probably the most important because once they see that as the equality, it makes the difference and so i want to add to that and so when you when you said it earlier in your podcast in the conversation you said you always persistent right and i think one of my models is that i'm not above handing out papers oh right and i'm not above uh doing menial work if it if it means that you just have a few more seconds to yourself right. if it means that you just have uh, for example like virtual schooling like when i was when you were there as lunch, I said, go get lunch. I will go and watch the kids for you. So I, I always found ways to say, like, let's make it easier. Always. Always. And that's like, that's, I think that's the trust. Right? Yeah. Because you're always like, okay, yeah, he's, I can sleep with this, but he's going to sleep with for me. He's going to do that. He's going to be there with me. The right. And so that was my green light as well to say, always find a way, always through your actions that you say, yep. through your actions, through your words. That, that we're equals, right? Yeah. That we have that. Yeah. Um, yellow light, but maybe this might be my red light. Sure. Putting the EAL teacher, the co-teacher of any kind in the position to be solely responsible for something yeah. or vice versa, yeah. taking sole responsibility for something when there is an expert standing next to you, yeah. right? That, that it really is shared and it might look different in different rooms for different comfort levels. Mm. Even if it's shared in the sense that everything's small group instruction and we rotate groups because I'm not quite ready for the big lesson or the whatever, but, but stop assuming that you have all the answers, but also maybe don't assume that the person coming in has or wants to have all the answers because that's an uncomfortable position. Like, yeah. Give us your lesson. Yeah. You tell us what to do. Right. <laughs> that is definitely my red light. Right. Saying, saying like, don't say, here are the lessons you do them. It's yeah. saying, let's co-create together. Yes. Right. Yeah. And I think the yellow light probably is to stop and to think about something is to maybe it's kind of that whole idea of 
it is the co-planning piece, but it's, um, I, we said it earlier, be mindful that you're planning enough in advance to yes. do it really well, yes. but not so far in advance right. that you are following some script that may not be fitting what students need. So just be questioning, are we, are we giving ourselves time to process what we're doing and prepare so that it's not a circus when you're getting ready for the day? But are you also being mindful of looking at student work and having conversations with your co-teacher about we, we thought we were headed here. It's only Wednesday. Are we headed there? Or do we need to pause, take 20 minutes and adjust the next two days before we have real time to meet again, right? Like taking the time to look at that and not just scripting or on the flip side, chasing your tail around <laughs> like tomorrow, tomorrow. What about tomorrow? What about tomorrow? So you're yeah. saying like you're, you're yellow. I, I wrote down that activity is not productivity. Yeah. Right. So we just just because we're running and trying to trying to keep up doesn't actually mean that it's really productive. Right. Our relationship. So, yep. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. well, I want to say of all of my so I've taught now co-taught now for the last ten years of my thirteen years of teaching, and this has been the most I would say the one of the most uh, collaborative fulfilling experiences. I know that I think you got a little teary when you were talking, and I got a little teary too. I was like, no, don't look at her. You're gonna cry. And so. It was, um, thank you for, what a gift and honor to work with you because I I wanted to work at this school and I and I love this school because of the co-teaching model where you really get to co-teach and you're not just, here, help these kids. It's together, let's work together. And I was always looking for that dream co-teaching relationship and I definitely have found that in you. And so I was like, oh, I'm gonna find my, oh, my Shauna, my Shauna's, where are my Shauna's? So thank you for that experience. And thank you. and. It had been a long time since I had co-taught. Um, mm -hmm. As you know, I was did middle school for quite some time, which doesn't have as much of a co-teaching model, right. at least in the area of math, right. maybe in the language area it does. Um, and I would concur that it, it was probably the most fulfilling co-teaching mm -hmm. experience that I've had. I've, I've worked with lovely people, but they spent much less time in my room. So it just was m more minimal, right? Even though it was good. So being able to really spend authentic time with you in the room, we had real blocks of teaching that yes. were there. It wasn't a drop in, drop out sort of moment. Um, and yes, you were the language teacher, but no one in my class knew that you're a language teacher, you were a teacher because yeah. you helped all kids and you worked with all students and, and you also embrace that those were your students, not yes. that you had five of them right. on a list right. somewhere. Yeah, I love them all. We, yeah. We knew all of them. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I thank you. Oh, thank I will miss you, you dearly. Oh, yes. I know. Now I might cry. <laughs> Before we recap this episode, I have a favor and an invitation. My favor is to ask you to please review this podcast if you found it valuable so that teachers like you become inspired and informed in their advocacy work. My invitation is for you to enroll in my scaffolding learning or teacher collaboration courses. I've taken the principles that I've learned from experts in the field. I've applied them to my classes. I kept the things that work and I'm sharing all of them in these courses. I hope you consider enrolling. Now, onto our recap. My first takeaway, and maybe the most important, is to have co-planning time. There is no co-teaching if there is no co-planning. If there's no co-planning, it's just in-class support. And when you co-plan, please remember to build on ideas, not replace them with something new. If you do, you will spend time trying to convince them and they will spend cognitive energy trying to understand something new. When you offer something new, it can be seen as a rejection of their idea. Instead, work with what they give you because you won't need to persuade them of anything. If at all possible, co-create a planning schedule. This needs to be the first act of your teaching partnership. If you have that freedom or luxury, take advantage of it. Additionally, I want to highlight that it can be difficult to establish a dynamic teaching relationship, but it's worth it because we become better teachers in the end. 
And it's possible if you invest first in nurturing a positive relationship before jumping into the instruction. Lastly, remember to try to incorporate co-assessing and co-reflecting into your co-teaching and co-planning practice to get the full advantage of your teaching partnership. In the next episode, I'll share with you what I wish I had learned about my role as a language specialist when I first started. Thank you for listening. I'll see you soon. Be safe and be rooted in peace. It's your turn to play Traffic Light Teaching. Tweet at me either your red, yellow, or green light from this particular episode. You're beautiful.